Welcome to Voices from the Collective, a podcast coming to you from the mouth of the East Coast in upstate New York. I'm your host, Ellie Pell. This episode is with David Norris, or as he likes to be called, Grandmaster Norris, my on teammate who just took third at the Cirque Series Alaska Mountain Race in Alaska. David won the race last year, but has been battling a heel injury for the past few months. He decided to jump into the race the night before and take it pretty conservatively as he had only run once or twice before that to test out his foot. His third place finish off the couch speaks to the depth of endurance and mountain sports in which David has spent his life participating. He comes to the show with a depth of knowledge about elite skiing, sponsorship, and living the professional athlete life. I was fortunate to spend the weekend in Alaska with David, and not only can he run, but he can also fly fish and introduce me to the Alaskan salmon salmon fishing experience. TLDR, no one wants pinks, so go for the silver. If you hook them in the belly, you got to throw them back, but the freezer is always full. This episode is brought to you in part by Gnarly Nutrition. Although my favorite favorite food group is definitely peanut butter, I know if I want to have a healthy body, both inside and outside of sport, I need to get in a few more nutrients. Most endurance athletes know about no carbohydrates are the fuel that lights our fire, but it's important to pay attention to proteins, fats, vitamins, and minerals too. Though most of us have an extreme nature, everything in moderation is key. I love adding gnarly protein powder to my morning oatmeal to get an extra bang for my buck. Not only does the vegan blend add a subtle sweetness, but it's made from pea, chia, and cranberry seed protein, which is easy to digest, having more vitamins and minerals than the regular whey or casein blends. Add some peanut butter on top and a banana or two. Hot dang, my day is starting off right. If you want to get to know my exact recipe, head over to the Trails Collective YouTube channel where I provide a short and silly video of my morning oatmeal bowl. I want you to try it too, so use the code TRAILSCOLLECTIVE, that's one word, for 10% off. Click the referral link in the show notes. All right, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Grandmaster Norris. Grandmaster Norris, welcome to Voices from the Collective Podcast. Uh, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, nice to meet you. Um, actually, like face to face, that's kind of cool. Um, I know we've been uh, teammates for a whole like five months now, um, and surprisingly, you know, we haven't met yet. Um, so, you know, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Um, I actually had a look of the, my first question, I guess, is that about six weeks ago, and actually it's your most recent Instagram post is that you posted that you busted your foot. So I want to know what happened. Yeah. Well, the day before I was supposed to fly to Zagama, I went for an easy bike ride to shake out my legs and had just like a fluke crash 
kind of flew over the handlebars off off the trail into a ditch and landed on my foot and and hit my heel and and nothing's like the, I did a CT scan and X-ray and there's no fracture but it's I guess a bad bruise and I would have never known but it's like the slowest thing to recover like I'm still not running so yeah <laughs> I was gonna to ask pretty frustrated yeah um, I mean I'm able to bike now I can do uphill treadmill um I I was doing the stairmaster earlier because I could mm-hmm. just keep my forefoot planted and stay off the heel, but um, yeah, I just want to run normal. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's been a, it's been like six weeks, and those like it's like yeah, not even a break or a or a strain. It's like yeah, those bruises are just the worst. Yeah, it's so weird, and yeah, I think I'm trying not to do the thing where I get out of bed every morning and like test it, you know like see if it's all of a sudden better but um but it's it's slowly getting a little better and um it kind of feels funny because like I got on with on and was super stoked to do a ton of running races and then so far this summer I've actually ran less races than I normally would have even when I was just focusing on skiing yeah, I do kind of want to talk about that before we get into your history, because uh, I was actually reading um, your blog a little bit and you wrote uh, about the injury or bone bruise. I guess, yeah, I guess an injury. Um, this yeah. bad luck happened only a few weeks after my presentation on success through failure. And it is really tough to keep the positive self-talk alive, but I know I will recover, recover and come back strong. Some of those great one-liners that I had in my speech are quotes I'm trying to tell myself right now. This is one of those humbling accidents. And I just started to feel really confident in my running form and thinking I had it all figured out and I make a small mistake and here I am on crutches. So I think that's actually really poignant because, you know, I, in my personal, in my running, um, and in life too, when I start to say like, oh, I definitely have this figured out. This is like the strategy. This is exactly what I should do. It's like either something breaks or something goes wrong, or I fall on my face or anything. And so can you talk a little bit about, um, yeah, when you wrote that, what you were, what you was going on at the time? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yeah, when I wrote that, it probably was a little bit like I wrote it to like, you know, like reaffirm what I needed to think, even though like I was probably just kind of like sad and frustrated myself, but now I'm a little bit past that like emotional stage. And, um, yeah, when I wrote it, I, I guess when I came from ski racing, there's a lot of politics and um, challenging things in skiing to like even get to compete at the race that you're training for. And with the running, I was, I was looking forward so much to just being like being in a sport where there won't be the politics as far as I could see. And, and it will just be like, if I run fast, I'll get to have doors open opportunities and, um, and I created like, you know, a lot of goals for myself and, and expectations. And I know when you do make those expectations, like you're going to fall short and be disappointed. But, um, but for once I was like, all right, running, it's all in my hands. I don't have to like rely on playing the political game. I just got to train hard and, 
and race fast. And then, uh, and then it was all up to me and I crashed biking. So then I, I was like, well, <laughs> like when it finally was all up to me, I go and hurt myself. So I was kind of, kind of beating myself up, but at the same time, you know, like I did know that like, you know, things happen and it's like, it's okay. And you gotta give yourself time to, I guess, be upset and that's all right. But uh, then be constructive from, from there moving forward. And so, yeah. And, and I just given a presentation in Anchorage about kind of success through failure was the topic. And it was, it was uh, about, how I basically poured four years into trying to make the Olympics and cross country skiing. And I didn't, and, you know, like I can look at that and just say, like, I totally failed to meet that goal. But, but then I was, you know, if you really look at it, there's all those successes that occurred along the way and all the positives that came from, from making, you know, making that goal and chasing it all out. And, uh, and I guess that's even happening now, like even with my heel injury, you know, like um, good things are coming out of it. Um, not exactly how I'd prefer, but there's been some positives. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because um, I talked with Marianne Hogan and Arlen Glick, who both got third at Western States and mm. um, both of them sustained injuries in like February or March before Western. And, um, it was kind of like that forced break. And then they came back and did incredible things at the race. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that like, and Marianne even said, she was telling herself, like, you know, this is just a a rest now. Like, this is just a break. Like it's going to be okay. And you're going to get back. But obviously, I mean, she told herself that, but I mean, I know that I would in my mind be like, what if I don't heal in enough time for Western or what if I don't all this other stuff? But I mean, they're not outliers. I think that a lot, like even in the marathon, like Shalane Flanagan, Desiree Linden, I mean, they had injuries or surgeries or really not great training before they made a jump. And so, um, what are some things that you've told yourself after the accident, like to help remind yourself, like when it just feels like it's never going to heal or something like that, what are some things that have kept you focused and seeing sort of like the long game? Yeah. Well, I know from, you know, previous years training for cross country skiing, often my injuries were overused, not trauma but it's still the same and I've always found that you know when you're forced to cross train you end up doing something that you normally wouldn't have done in your training plan and then you strengthen a weakness like you discover a weakness you didn't even know you had and so I'm trying to kind of use that as a positive to to know that when I come out of this like I'll, I'll be stronger in a different way than I would have been if I'd followed my normal program and um, and a little bit like you're saying with with the folks at Western States like it's it's forced me to rest a little bit where I wouldn't have and um, yeah and just I don't know now I'm just stoked to be outside and exercising so it's not 
it's not like I don't have to have that self-talk to like get me through it. But when I was first starting, I, I didn't, I don't have a road bike. And so I was mountain biking on the pavement and doing like, I was doing like 60 mile rides on a dual suspension mountain bike on the road with like big knobs. And I'd, I'd be out there and one minute I'd be thinking to myself, I'm just so stoked to like be able to exercise, even though my heels hurt. And then like five minutes later, I'd be like, this is so stupid. Why am I even out here? Like, I hate my life. And uh, so it was like this, you know, three hour bike ride of just like, yeah, basically having these crazy thoughts in my head, but now I'm, I can ride on the trails. So I'm way happier. And then I'm, I'm running on the uphill treadmill and uh, just way more positive. So um, yeah, I guess hopefully that answered the question. No, it did. And that, that reminds me of something kind of silly. It's like, you know how we have mantras like in races or something, or like in workouts when things get hard. Well, like last spring into summer, um, I did a lot of cross training just because my foot had, was just, it takes a while to heal. The blood flow isn't great down there, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember I was on the elliptical so much and like, it was really frustrating, like just walk, even walking to the gym because I could still feel it kind of like hurt. And like some days it was worse than others. And I would get really frustrated. And so sometimes I would just literally for like the hour or whatever that I was on the elliptical, like I was listening to something or whatever, but most of the time I was like, just let it heal, let it heal. Like it's all, cause like, I didn't want to focus on like anything else because I was like, you know what, maybe psychosomatic, like let it heal, just yeah. be positive. And it was like a lie that I just told myself, like, I don't even know, but it was just like, just repeat that, repeat that. And I mean, eventually it did, but yeah, feet just, they're just freaking little, ah, uh, they're just not nice. <laughs> no, it's frustrating. <laughs> um, so I kind of want to, uh, like, we're going to go back and like, sort of talk about growing up with skiing, but how long have you been an elite athlete? Um, I mean, I've been trying to, I guess, I mean, I've always been competitive. So like, whether it was like soccer as like an elementary school kid or something, I've always like been pretty into exercise and training, just copying my older siblings, but I don't know what, like after high school, I skied NCAAs. And then after college, I skied full time to try and make the Olympics. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe like post high school would probably be considered elite skiing or something. And I graduated in 09. Um, and so living like kind of that lifestyle of doing it full time, um, <laughs> is this the first, in- you, you sort of mentioned earlier, but is this the first injury that you dealt with? Um, first, like kind of trauma related injury, you know, I've had overuse stuff, like, like my low back would be an issue with summer training, like doing a lot of, uh, like double pole ski Mm -hmm. motion or like my IT band and stuff. But I've been lucky, like when I was younger, I broke my collarbone and stuff and in a bike crash as well. But, um, yeah, this is like my first real injury in like 10 years I can really think of. So living like as an elite where like, that's kind of your focus is this sport, like this profession, you're professional. And, um, so when you're on the couch, um, and not able to train, I am very interested in this because I think a lot of people 
think that living just having to train is like the ideal. That's the goal. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that it sounds great in theory, but at least whenever I've gone through an injury or like, I find that my purpose is just not there. Like if I'm not doing my sport or something like that, like I, for, I just mean, I like to have like a job or something else to do outside of sport, especially because mm-hmm. when I get injured, it's like, I need something else to do. I can't just sit on the couch and think about not being like, I can do PT all I want. But so when you're on the couch and you are a professional, that's what you do. What is something that you, um, find purpose in like what are you doing instead I guess yeah yeah I totally agree it's like yeah you have all this time to train and then when you can't train it's it disrupts your total your routine and just like kind of what makes you happy and but I love having a routine um and I am fortunate that I I do accounting and bookkeeping and some consulting work and it's all remote and kind of on my own schedule. And so I do that while I'm training, but then I think, you know, when I'm injured, I, I just pour a little more time into it and do a little better job probably, you know? And, uh, so that consumes a lot of time. And then I I try to things I procrastinate on. I try to take care of that. Like, like I, well, as you saw, I, my blog is from like six weeks ago, but I tried to, I was like, oh, I'll do that every week because now I just have more time, but I haven't done it at all. It's one of those things, it's like social media where um, I definitely don't portray the full life of me because it's like, well, if I'm not doing fun, cool stuff, then I don't feel like posting or blogging, which, you know, probably feeds to that fake happiness appearance on social media. But, but yeah, uh, things like that I try to do. And then, you know, like go through little kicks of like maybe try to cook or bake things that are more challenging and time consuming just because mm-hmm. yeah, I got time to fill. And, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather just be busy training and trying to make time for everything else. Yeah. You mentioned social media and like in the age of, age of social media, it seems like there is more pressure on athletes to stay on the scene or relevant and injury seems to take a big portion of like how we keep relevance or how we keep our sponsors, this perceived notion of what we think our sponsors want. Um, it's sort of how like trading and doing what we do is how we keep like eyes on our goals and stuff. And so like, when you are injured or I don't know, it's like, sometimes for me, I'm not even injured. It's just like, my training is boring. Like I'm not like, I I mean, I love it, but like, I'm just running outside. Like, it's not like this I'm on this mountain. It's like, actually I'm like following car exhaust right now. It's great. You know? Um, yeah. and so, you know, especially cause you like sign with on and then you've like got injured. So what is your take on like the role of athlete in um, like when you're sponsored and now some of our job is being relevant on social media. So yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I kind of, I take the approach of, you know, like, like in terms of trying to add value to 
to my sponsors, I feel like it's, it's way easier when you are doing, you know, like glamorous workouts versus like mm-hmm. just running on the side of a street. And if you're racing well, it's super easy to produce content. Um, and yeah, I definitely feel like I'm not creating as much value when I'm not racing and when I'm injured, but I also, I kind of refuse to go on use social media to complain or like share my woes, but yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I know I could always do better, but I don't, I don't think I'm like losing followers by not being super active. And then hopefully like I can just kind of be in the dark and cross train and get healthy. And then when I get back to racing, I'll have, you know, exciting content and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I'd rather say less and just eventually pop some good races when I'm healthy and hopefully it all works out. You know, I think, yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, like, I don't, at least my contract wasn't like, you must post this like six times a month or whatever. I mean, they're like right now, like I I'm, it might be different for like influencers who like, aren't, don't have the results. Like, so they Mm -hmm. have to like have other value. Um, but on has been pretty great, at least in like, not saying we have to do certain things or, um, they like us, our involvement and our feedback, but it's more loose. And I I think they do really understand, like if you're injured, like it's not like we're not, we understand that sucks for you. Like you love doing this. And so I think they've been pretty great, at least keeping us together, but also not forcing us to do things. Oh yeah. I agree completely. And I'm super grateful that like, like my contract wasn't contingent on, you know, like a single race performance or, you know, like, I think it's, it's nice to know that they'll see me through and support me through the injury mm-hmm. where some of the other contracts I was looking at, it was like, you tend this one race. And if you podium, then you have support for the rest of the year which I, I was like, that seems very stressful. Cause you know, you could have an injury GI distress, like anything can happen on a given day. And it, it might not be like, you might not show your true uh, potential. And, and then that would be the end of that potential support. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty psyched that on the supportive through injury and all that. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> when you're like crushing it again, it's going to be great. You can blow up the group chat, you know, it's just like, the grandmaster (laughs) speaking of where did you come up with that name Uh, i think um i I think think it's great like i love it (laughs) (laughs) thanks i mean yeah like in the nordic world there's definitely some people that have never heard them refer to me by david it's grandmaster gm or something um but I think when Instagram first came out, I, I didn't even realize what Instagram was. I think I downloaded it and thought it was like a photo editing app, basically, you know, like, cause it had all those filters. And so like, I, I didn't even realize what it was. And so I just, I think my girlfriend and I were just goofing off, like at dinner, getting, getting Instagram. And so I don't know, we just were like, let's go Grandmaster Norris. I think David Norris is pretty common name. So it was already taken. Uh-huh. So then we just, we winged it. So yeah. 
kind of fun. Well, I wasn't sure if there was like a story behind it or something. So no, no, I've had some people be like, well, that's awfully close to grand wizard. And I'm like, well, no, it's, it has grand in it. But that's not it. like, <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's kind of go back a little bit to the beginning. So, um, which came first skiing or running? Uh, probably skiing. I don't know. They probably all happen at the same time. I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska and, uh, my oldest sibling, um, she did cross country running and, uh, and figure skating. And then like the following winter after cross country running, it was the school had cross country skiing. So she got into it and then our whole family just dove into it. And so growing up in Fairbanks, it was pretty, like if you're in the cross country skiing crowd at that time, it seemed like you also did, um, you did the mountain bike races in the summer, all the running races, and then you would ski race all winter. And it was just like a pretty tight little community. So I did it. I don't know which one came first because it was just whatever the season was, you just did it. Yeah. What's it like growing up in Alaska? Um, I actually get to go there next week. So kind of excited. Should I drop by your parents' house? And, you know. Oh, uh, well, you're going to Alaska, right? Yeah. So you'll be like 400 miles from. Oh, so probably not, not a day's (laughs) drive. No, but, but now I'm, I've, I've been living in Anchorage the last like uh, six years, but, but I mean, growing up in Fairbanks, like it's so awesome for like uh, the, the sports scene is really good because it's, I think, you know, it's so dark all winter. You have to do something to enjoy the dark winter and cross-country skiing like hockey is really big but I think people just get really invested into those hobbies so that they can get through the winter and at at the Birch Hill and Fairbanks where the ski trails are they have tons of lighted trails and so like to me I always thought of it as you know people were talking about getting happy lights and stuff like that and I was like man these ski trails are just lined with happy lights for me like I just love skiing in the dark with the trails. Oh, that's so lit. cool. And um, yeah, and it's just a really tight community. And, you know, a lot of the the sports overlap a lot where I've, I've found this really unique now that I've lived in different towns and trained in different clubs. Uh, Fairbanks, it's not big enough to have like just the running community and they are their own crew and then the skiers are their own crew. Like the all the, the cyclists kind of intermix with the runners and the skiers intermix with the cyclists and stuff. So like on a Tuesdays and Thursday nights, I would go and run with the running club. And then like on Sunday mornings, I'd do the long ride with the road cycling crew. And it was, it was just fun. Cause I never, I never was like stuck in one kind of bubble of athletes. I just got to jump in and do mix it up with all of them. And kind of learn from the legends of each of those, you know, like specific sports. Yeah. What was, so you were, you were younger and you were running with like some of the older, older guys or older people. Yeah. We'd have, um, like there was like Tuesday and Thursday nights, there was a running group and it was just kind of like 
you know, one guy led it and he, a lot of the people are training for the local marathon and it's a trail marathon in Fairbanks. And most people are training for that. So we'd run on the marathon course often or do portions of it. And they would all just kind of take off. And it was like, if I wanted to go super hard and try to hang with the guys in the front who were probably running very relaxed, but as like a 14 year old, I was hammering. Um, I just run with them until like I'd peel, I could peel off and head back to the starting point early, stuff like that. Um, just really inviting crew. So it didn't really matter if, you know, no one was like, you're running too hard. Like you need to go easier or anything. Mm-hmm. They're just stoked to have, you know, more people in the pack. So, um, what, like, have you ever lived in any other place in America or have you always lived in, um, Alaska? Uh, no, I, I went to school in Bozeman. So I spent four years there and then, and then I did like one summer, I lived in park city for training, like to be part of a training camp. And then, uh, in 2019, my girlfriend, started school at, uh, in Albuquerque for physical therapy school. And so starting since 2019, I've been basically splitting my time like 50, 50 in Anchorage and in Albuquerque. And then the winners, I'm usually ski racing, like bouncing around wherever the races are. What's kind of like the biggest difference between living in Alaska and living in like the lower 48 uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely, have, when I come in the summers, I get caught off by like the fact that it will get dark. <laughs> and so I'll be like out biking or running and then get, it'll get dark. And I'm like pretty far out, no lights, anything like that. Where, cause like in Alaska, I don't even think about it. And I'll start a run at like 8 PM and you can run till whenever. Oh you know, yeah. How is it when it's like 24 hours of sun? <laughs> yeah. I think I would love that. I would so, hate 24 hours of dark. I would die. <laughs> no, it's so awesome. Um, I mean, I just, I think that's maybe part of the difference is like Alaskans to me, it's like all summer you're, you, you're like energized by the sun, but you're also just so drained because you stay up late and get up early and you're just trying to like do everything you can. Cause the summer's so compressed. And, um, that's like kind of what I see as maybe a big difference, but I love that. I actually love like really dark season also like January. I think it's, it's kind of fun too. just, I don't know. Everything's in the dark mostly. And, um, but yeah, you know, when you're in these like athletic circles and bubbles, like, I don't know, we're all doing the same thing, whether it's Alaska or Albuquerque, um, yeah, it's just figuring out how to utilize the town you're in, I guess. So when did you decide it was, uh, like time for you to focus on, um, skiing? Like, when did you decide that you wanted to train for the Olympics and, um, what led you to make that lifestyle choice? Um, I think, I think I like, it's always been a goal and, and, I think when I was younger and maybe had like Olympics as a goal, like through high school, I was on, I made like world juniors and, and the junior national team, stuff like that. And 
I maybe just said I wanted to be an Olympian because like that's what you're supposed to do if you're kind of on that trajectory. But then as I got older um, and kind of like started seeing like my peers make the Olympics and like seeing like the dedication that some of the older athletes were doing, I was just like, I was pretty stoked about it. And I wanted to do the same thing. And, uh, and then in 20, I think 2018, I was one of the alternates for the Olympics. And I feel like that was kind of one of those, like, all right, am I going to train for four more years and go for it or just like stop the pursuit sort of. And, uh, and I chose to keep going for four more years. And I feel like that was kind of when it like was more concrete that like, this is my goal. It's not just like me saying, I want to go to the Olympics. Cause that's like where you're supposed to say as like a dedicated skier. Like I actually really, really want to do it and pull it off. Um, and then again, this winter I was an alternate. So a little closer, but, um, yeah, I think all along I've always just like, I've enjoyed being dedicated and having that routine and trying to chase big goals. What's, um, a day in the life of an elite skier? Uh, well, it's probably like runners, you know, like the difference is we have so much, so many like training options you can do. So like, cause we have skate and classic and we'll roller ski all summer. Or if, if you have the access, you'll to do so, you'll go up to like an on snow camp on a glacier or something in the summer. But it's usually, it's maybe a little higher volume in terms of hours because a lot of the stuff's not impact. So you, you could do a roller ski in the morning and a run in the afternoon. Like that would be a really common common day um and then usually once a week i'd probably do like roller ski in the morning and a roller ski in the afternoon um, how long are the we, sessions um a lot are um i mean like two hours would probably be like pretty standard um like two to three hours was like pretty common for me i guess <laughs> and so it'd be like two to three hours in the morning and two hours in the afternoon, something like that. And then, but if I was doing, you know, like running intensity, then I drop it down to like 90 minutes, stuff like that. Um, during these long things, like, are you fueling during them or is it, yeah. Is it like uh, the low intensity? Is it like you eat breakfast beforehand, you run and then you're eating lunch right after, or how is it? Um, yeah, well, I think people, a lot of people have sports drink and, um, like if we're going like in that three to five hour range, then we're out, we're definitely bringing like bars or something to snack on, but I'm probably pretty bad about it. Like, especially in Alaska, it's never that hot in the summer. So like I, I'll go like the whole summer, just drinking water in my drink belt and never bring, um, like food with me really unless it's like a five-hour run or something like that but but now that I'm actually like spending more time in the west like in Albuquerque and stuff I started realizing how much like even the performance of that workout and then the workout later that afternoon or the next morning was impacted a lot by if I screwed up my nutrition during the workout because I would actually like overheat or just 
you know, feel like nauseous from, you know, just plain water wasn't enough. So I'm getting better about it now. Yeah. A lot of times I have to remind myself, like I'm mostly eating this gel, these gels, cause it helps me recover after faster. <laughs> it's not yeah. really, I don't know how much is really going to help my performance right now, but it's going to feel better later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I like try to, I don't know. I always am like trying to just take sandwiches or bananas, things like that. Um, just on the day-to-day training to like, if I do need to eat, um, but I've been doing way better, like hydrating, like in Colorado, I was in Colorado Springs this, this spring. Um, and that's that, like when I hurt my heel. And so I definitely had some workouts where I'd come home and I almost had like goosebumps. And I, I think it was just coming from like a ski racing all winter. I was like not heat adapted at all. And then it was like a hot spring. A few, a few days were super hot and I'd go on these like long runs and get back and like have like minor heat stroke kind of symptoms and you know be like oh I can't do that ever again and then like a week later do it again yeah it's really easy to uh forget about that because you're like oh I was fine after and the Alyeska Cirque race um what's the longest that you've raced uh that's a funny question because because of skiing I've never done anything long because i because i like don't really want the race to you know take anything out of my legs really like i don't want it to impact next week's training or this like month of training um and that's why i like i've i've done a lot of uphill races because it's you know an awesome workout but like doesn't really take anything out of your legs to for next week's you know training so the longest race like might just be the Alyeska Cirque Series race. That's like, I don't know, like six miles or something. And I've done growing up, I, I did like a half marathon when I was in sixth grade and raced some 10 Ks on the road. But yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like that was, and that's a big part of my excitement for this summer was all these races I was signed up for. They're all longer than I've ever done. Um, yeah, like distances I've never raced courses I've never seen or done, like everything was new. And, uh, for me, that was just so exciting. Cause I, I feel like I know how to prepare and train well, but then once I get on the starting line, it's like totally unknown and like new to me. So it's like, that's something I'm really excited about for when my heel is recovered and I can get racing again. Well, it seems interesting that you chose short mountain races because if you're running for five hours at some point, like you've probably already done an ultra. (laughs) Yeah. I mean the, yeah, the training, like I, I know my legs could have always handled longer races. Um, but, and it's not that this, my coaches and skiing discouraged running races. Um, but it was just kind of like, like I never gave, like I've never tapered or given myself time to like focus on a running race. Like I just do my ski training straight through all the running races that I've done in previous summers. And I think I've always felt like if I did do a longer event, I would 
feel like I needed to taper. And then I assumed my legs would be beat up from a longer event. Um, but you know, I, but when you are training that much and you're just doing like long runs in the mountains, I think the legs do get so durable and you adapt pretty well that like, yeah, these, I don't think the races zap your legs as hard as I maybe always expected them to. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm somebody that when I do put a bib on, like I have a hard time, like I'm not somebody that does well with like the fun holiday 5k. Like when I put a bib on, mm-hmm. I usually get that competitive juice. And so it's funny. Cause during COVID when there were no races, I know a lot of people were like, some, or at least some people were kind of like glad about it. They didn't, you know, need to go anywhere, do these, they could do FKTs. Um, I wasn't super into the FKT, but I also really like races because then always after the race, I definitely take like time off and Mm -hmm. it's like a signal to me to give my body that rest. You know, like we were saying, um, having injury is like maybe the rest that we needed that we wouldn't have taken. Usually after a race is like my signal to like, even if I don't feel thrashed, it's just kind of like automatic. I take the next week at least to reassess and see how the body's going. Um, so, and I mean, it it seems like you're a competitive person you said, so, I mean, maybe your coaches were probably, or your feeling was probably right that you'd get into the race and you'd want to go real hard. And then it could, you could be thrashed for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I never, I never really wanted to like take the time out of my ski training to, to have that you know, just totally thrashed week or two to recover. So do you train for skiing or even running now with a group? Uh, yeah, when I'm in Anchorage, I train with the Alaska Pacific university ski team and it's a ski team that's with a university, but it's not an NCAA program. So you can train with them even if you're not a current student. Um, and that's who I've been training with. But now that I've been spending less time in Anchorage, I basically just train on my own or with my girlfriend and, or, you know, people that I know in town, but yeah, no group this summer. Does your coach, when you're training with the Alaskan team, like, does he coach them all too? Yeah. Yeah. We'd have, uh, like like morning practices would be with the whole team. So there could be like 20 or 30 people at a practice. And, and I think that's probably like one of the, one of the greatest skill sets of that, that particular coach in Anchorage is that he's so good at bringing a group of athletes together and just like, you know, motivating and encouraging everyone to work together to be, you know, like, like it's an individual sport, but, you know, like having that strength of a team. So it's really good up in Anchorage. What's an example of like, um, a ski workout that you would do? Um, well, I think like one of the workouts that I was even doing in May when I was focused on the, like I was training for Zagama as like kind of my first target. And I, I was doing, um, like ski bounding. And so that's where you're like, it's kind of like running with ski poles in your hands and you go up you're doing like hill repeats with ski poles and instead of like a normal runner stride you're kind of like 
bounding, like not quite a skip, but you know, you're, you're taking longer strides. So it's, it's like a little bit plyometric y, but you do it for like, like we'll do like five by five kind of repeats or, or do it sustained for like an hour straight up a hill, you know, like, like a, we use an Anchorage is really convenient. You can park your cars at this parking lot that's super high up and then you can work your way basically an hour up the mountain bounding or running with ski poles. And uh, you, so you're mimicking classic skiing, but for me, I, I think it's like awesome for trail running too. Cause it's just a way to tax your heart by getting your arms involved. And it's not as, um, you know, it's not as much stress on your running joints as like if you did a tempo run where you're maybe like trying to hammer out a faster pace. So, and then, and then like roller skiing, stuff like that. We do just like, I don't know. A lot of, a lot of our stuff is time and heart rate based, you know, like, like, you know, four by 15 minutes at your threshold effort or heart rate. Um, we're not really worrying about like set times on a loop like you might on the track. In um, professional skiing, um, where does like the income come from like to do it professionally all the time? Is there like a federation? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's like the US ski team that's through um, US ski and snowboard. Um, and that would be like our federation, but they don't really fund skiers. And so like most of the, like the way I've afforded to be a skier has been, you know, through sponsors in the ski industry. And then also private sponsors, like local businesses in Alaska and, and Anchorage and Fairbanks is, I think they're a really great community for getting behind their athletes and helping to make sure that they can afford to train. So like I've had for, for the last four years, like my title headgear sponsor was a um, orthopedic clinic in Anchorage. And, um, and then like, you know, my dentist and the running shoe store and the local gym, things like that. they all help make it possible. I really like that. Like, I wish that we were like in ultra running and trail running were as organized as like triathlon and how they like can give some money to their athletes and stuff, just like the Federation. Mm -hmm. But I actually am really attracted to the idea of more like local businesses. Uh, when I was yeah. looking for an apartment, I was like, should I ask this apartment business to like sponsor me and just like, give me a good deal on an apartment. I mean, I like that idea. And to be fair, like if I ever have like the means to buy houses and stuff, I would love to like, you know, give athletes like cheap rent to come train and stuff like that. I think that's such a good idea, but you know, it's gotta be the right, uh, community, I guess. And, um, I think like communities, like obviously what you said, um, with Fairbanks or Anchorage, um, and then places probably like Flagstaff, like park city, maybe, or, or salt Lake, um, Boulder, uh, I think that could work a little bit better there because it seems like their infrastructure of the city is very um, outdoors and endurance sports minded. Um, mm -hmm. But I really like that idea. Yeah, no, I, 
and it's I it like not that you need an excuse to be involved in the community, but it makes you like that much more invested because you know you're feeling the love from the community. So you you do want to give back and like participate in if there's like a kids running group or something like that. Um, you know, like not not that you want to make it an obligation, but it's it's nice that you actually have kind of like like I had it written into some of my contracts that I would help at. Um, there was like a kids running organization called Healthy Futures. And um, like the goal is just to, you know, try to get kids to um, like be active every day, I think was like the, the mission statement. And so we do these like little fun runs and things like that. And, you know, you help the kids warm up and do things like that. And it's, it's great that a sponsor in, in Anchorage could make it such that I can work like only 15 hours a week part-time doing accounting versus having to like be a barista or something where I can actually utilize my platform as an athlete to give back to the community because mm -hmm. the sponsors are, you know, helping me afford my life and make it so that I have time to actually give back. So I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Um, well, I'm not going to ask what's next because I don't think you should put your injuries on a timeline. I think your body should just heal in the time that it takes. Um, so instead we're going to play a game called ideal aid station. And the problem Ooh. is you have never raced long enough to need an aid station, but it's coming. So, um, we're, you're just going to have to tell me what comes to your mind. All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, you're coming to an aid station and it has, you know, you're really hungry. You're getting that hypo, uh, you're getting that heat stroke. Um, yeah. what sweet snack is waiting there for you? Uh, Swedish fish. Nice popular answer. Um, what salty snack? Um, those peanut butter filled pretzels. Yeah. Like those Kirkland are nice. Brand. <laughs> yes. Those are nice. Uh, sometimes I've even had like their chocolate covered peanut butter filled pretzels. So I'm like, I'm living. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, hot food. Um, I like a burrito. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I see it. <laughs> yeah. I could do that. Uh, sports drink. Tots tater tots oh that's a good yeah. one too yeah uh, sports drink uh i'm digging the like kind of like diluted tailwind type stuff mm -hmm. like lemon lime good tailwind's like the og it's good it's like there's gatorade then there was tailwind um yeah. non-sports drink <laughs> um non-sports drink um, I don't know. Coke. Flat. Uh, no, doesn't need to be flat. Oh, okay. If you, you, you might change your answer at like, you know, mile <laughs> 20, um, piece of gear. Uh, piece of gear. I don't know. Maybe like fresh socks. Yeah. Socks. Yeah. That's they're life changing. It might not even if they do anything for your feet, but just the mental benefit sometimes fresh pair yeah. of socks feel fast. Yeah. 
All right. Last question. Celebrity at the aid station. So it doesn't have to be a runner or a skier. They don't have to be alive. Um, just somebody that if they were at your aid station, you'd be like, oh my God, it would put you in a good, a good mood. And it cannot be like family or friends. Yeah. Um, uh, like Michael Jordan would be pretty sweet. That what did you watch the last dance? Yeah. I loved that was it. good. <laughs> Oddly, yeah, it made me like got, fall in love with Scotty Pippen. <laughs> oh, I know. I yeah, my brother was a big Pippen fan, so um, yeah, that that thing was awesome. I had to be careful, like not to like get emotional in the last dance all the time. <laughs> oh, why? I just I watched it while I was actually rehabbing from an injury, and so I was like on the bike, like doing a workout and crying. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, can you tell everybody where they can find you and say hello online? And I'll put these links in the show notes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess Grandmaster Norris is my Instagram handle and I'm on Facebook as David Norris. I think it's at David Norris, AK would be the like Facebook handle. And then my blog is norisnordic.com. All right. We, we will put those links in the show notes, David. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And will I see you in Alaska? I have tickets, but I might have to cancel if I can't run. Well, yeah, yeah do what, I mean, we'll I might see. not be running. I mean, I'm going to go, but I don't know. I haven't decided yeah so, <laughs> so we'll play i i want to go i just don't want to pressure myself to make a poor decision to run t- too soon we so. can we can cheer on the sideline we could sweep the course just like go yeah. up after everybody that's helping yeah. <laughs> yeah i could be i could be convinced so all right hopefully i'll see you up there well yeah hopefully we'll meet in person it was nice to meet you tonight and uh thank you have a wonderful evening thank you yeah thanks for having me thanks for listening to this episode of the trails collective podcast you can find me on instagram and twitter at gazelli you can find the trails collective on instagram twitter and facebook Thanks to everybody who's getting out there and supporting us. And thanks especially to our Patreon members whose donation makes what we do possible. All right, guys. See you out there.